Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everyone. I don't know if I know the secret of life, and I don't know if our guests know the secret of life today either, but I do know that we're going to reveal some very sad statistics about domestic violence October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. They have a special event coming up this Wednesday. The Hope Center is teaming with the Rice County Attorney's Office to present Why Can't You Be a Better Victim? It's coming up noon until 1 on Wednesday at the boardroom of the Rice County Commissioner's Building. I have with me this morning Melissa Evans. I have her card Mm -hmm. right here. It says she's the Victim Witness Coordinator for Rice County. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Gordy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate you coming in. It's a shame you have to come in on this kind of a topic, but we need to educate everyone, right? Correct. Very important. That's the bottom line here. And then also with us is uh, Wendy Murphy. She's the Chief Assistant Rice County Attorney. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Gordy. Thank you for having us here. I do appreciate it. So this event on Wednesday, kind of an interesting title. It is. We picked that title very specifically. We were hoping it would catch people's eye. It does. Catch my eye, anyway. And it is an acknowledgement of the types of misconceptions and expectations that we, as the public, have and hold about victims of domestic violence. It, We, Melissa and I, in our work, have seen, and with Eric at Hope Center that oftentimes we want a victim to act a certain way, uh, repeat their story in a certain way, have just the right emotionality about their story. We want them to have specific injuries. Uh, We want them to have done everything that they could to avoid the violence. And then oftentimes we are very judgmental if they stay in that relationship. Go ahead, Melissa. I didn't yeah, no, you. exactly. You know, we expect them to leave and we expect them to be angry and cry enough, but not too much. And just a lot of expectations on what their testimony is going to look like and how um, cooperative they are in our mm-hmm. cases. Yes, I struggle with the leaving part myself. Mm-hmm. And I think most people do, don't they? I think they do. I can tell you I personally struggled with it very much when I started prosecuting. I felt when I became a prosecutor that all I needed to do was prosecute the offenders and my victims would be so happy for my involvement in their life and they would tell me the the best prosecutor ever and now my life is great and I'm going to find a very healthy relationship to be into. And when that did not happen, in fact, that made often my involvement with victims it put way more stress on their relationship and their life i realized that i needed to stop using my lens to look at domestic violence and realize that there's so much about domestic violence that i don't know i um i've never been in an abusive relationship 
and I would walk around and be like, oh, my intimate partner, who in my life is my husband, ever uh, said anything or hit me in any way, I'd be like, that's it, I'm out. But I have resources. I haven't been a victim previously. I could go hire an attorney. I could get a new apartment. I could buy my own car. I could go to work the next day. And I wouldn't have to be juggling all sorts of consequences of what's going to happen to me tomorrow. And that was really hard to realize that I didn't know everything about domestic violence. Were you going to say something, Melissa? I was just going to add that most of the victims that I work with don't actually want to leave that person. They've been Mm -hmm. with them for a while. They have kids together. They're married. They're invested. Um, They just want them to get help. Mm -hmm. They want chemical treatment they want is that involved in a lot of it melissa is is chemical abuse part of this yes yep and in a lot of them it's not always the reason behind it but obviously drugs and alcohol um contribute to emotional regulation and and how you're processing and how your brain functions Um, so they definitely want some sort of a treatment and think if we can intervene and get that done then the relationship will be saved and and they don't have to experience those things that you're talking about finding a new house leaving your partner co-parenting things like that doesn't doesn't uh the person involved in this i was going to say gentleman but it can be a lady too i guess yep it can be the abuser although it's much rarer right it is rare because i think it's really underreported when it's the other way but that's just my own anecdotal sure, information absolutely. But go ahead, I interrupted you. Well, already. I just lost my train of thought now, and it wasn't expressed to begin with. So, uh, You were starting to talk about doesn't the abuser, uh, about treatment. And yeah, they have to be a willing person to go to treatment, right? That's the number one thing. They have to be yeah. willing. The court yes. can't force them to do it. I mean, the, you could, but it's not going to work. It gets, it gets ordered a lot of times. Sure. First, we need to get to that point where we can get a sentencing and we can get recommendations and have it court ordered but their follow through is maybe something different and i think that that all presupposes that the victim of the violence um, it all we all have this i think many of us think that it's easy to leave when we're talking about a more rural county where we don't even have mass transit to get from maybe a school to a doctor appointment we don't have um, available housing if somebody even wanted to try and and leave the actual residence where they were at. And let's just assume we have somebody who has the courage to call and is able to withstand the consequences of calling because what the research has shown is that pretty much once the call is made, and the police come and the emergency is done, a whole nother series of things start. Um, now there could be concerns about child care, uh, money for rent, a cell phone, because oftentimes the victim, whether it's a man or a woman, um, or however anybody identifies, if they are not in the power seat of that relationship, there's a lot of resources that the relationship has that that person may not have access to, even something as simple as a cell phone. So while this victim is struggling with, okay, the police are here, this person's being taken away, now that person also has to start getting 
um, often will be getting pressure from the person taken away. Um, very often, we have the offender calling the victim from the jail. And it's not uncommon for us to listen to jail phone calls where the offender is saying, you better get this fixed. Mm-hmm. You better get in front of this. Having family call and saying the same thing. I love you so much. I'm so sorry this isn't really me. And then the guilt starts, doesn't it, Melissa? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And the promises, I'm going to get help this time. I know I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even blaming within that, a lot of gaslighting. I just get so mad when you. Mm-hmm. And then now the blame is shifted. And now the victim feels like they need to do something um, to fix this so that they can go back to their Stable is kind of a, but it's the stable. It's the stability that they know. That's what they know. Yeah, that's the stability that they know. And it could very well be that they've been in a relationship previously that was more abusive than the relationship that they're in. Right, they've kind of gotten used to it. Yeah. Yep. And this time wasn't as bad as that last time. Mm -hmm. So this one is not really abuse. Right. All right. We're going to get an updated market report here, and then we'll talk more about. This event coming up on Wednesday, it's absolutely free, right, ladies? Absolutely free in the commissioner's room of the Government Services Building here in Faribault. And again, it is uh, over the noon hour, noon until 1 on Wednesday, noon to 1 Wednesday. Our opening market report is the service of your KDHL Agri Boosters, including free to one fence Faribault, free to one fence inc.com. You can start the countdown to your next fence project. T&W Towing, your heavy-duty towing and recovery expert. Hog futures are higher. Soybeans, cattle, and corn are lower. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. For lead genetics, paired with simple, flexible, and effective weed control, plant Stein and list E3 soybeans. Learn more at steinseed.com. Soybeans are uh, down this morning. Argentina received good weekend rain, and there's an improved chance for rain in northern Brazil later on this week. Harvest delays are expected in parts of the United States. November beans are down eight and a half at twelve ninety three and a half. January's eight and a half lower at thirteen eleven and three quarters. December bean meals down two dollars thirty cents at four twenty one sixty. December soybean oil steady at fifty three thirty nine. Corn's down, watching harvest weather in South America and the, uh, rather, planning weather in South America and the harvest conditions here in the states. December's four and a half lower at 491. March is down four and three quarters at 504 and a quarter. And wheat's mixed. Rain will delay U.S. winter wheat planting in some areas, but it will also recharge soil moisture ahead of dormancy. Recent rainfall in Argentina and Australia should help to stabilize crop conditions. December Chicago's one and a half lower at 584 and a half. Oversold December cottons up 111 at 83.51, and nearby rice is up on the spread trade with November 13 and a half higher at 15.97. Live and feeder cattle are down sharply following last week's USDA cattle on feed numbers, much larger than expected placements. The big culprit there. December lives three dollars lower at 181.62. February's down 3.42 at 184.30. January feeders are down 297 at 240.07. And hogs are up on oversold signals in Friday's higher closing pork. December's 37 higher at 66.37. February's up uh, 12 now at 70.55. We're online at brownfieldagnews.com. John Perkins, 
Brown AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Our other KDHL Agri Boosters include Lance at LK Concrete LLC, Custom Concrete Flatwork Handyman Services. They prep it and pour it. Book your spring project right now. Receive 15% off the total cost. More information available to L K Concrete LLC.com. L K Concrete LLC.com. Northland Buildings Quality Post Frame Construction. Head to NorthlandBuildings.com. And Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrand helps protect everything that is near and dear to your heart. And the uh, ladies I have in studio try to help protect individuals from domestic violence. This is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. As I said earlier, it's kind of a shame we have to have such a month, but. It's good that we do, I guess. Wednesday, October 25th, that's this Wednesday, Hope Center and Rice County Attorney's Office are putting together a presentation called Why Can't You Be a Better Victim? It'll be from noon to one on Wednesday. And there was something you guys wanted to touch on about that again before we move on? Yes, we, Melissa and I were having a great conversation while you were doing the egg report. <laughs> um, but the topic that we were just talking about, so if somebody calls... Police come, the abuser's arrested, the abuser is in jail. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that the abuser will call the victim from the jail. And we, as a society, a lot of times, those of us looking in from the outside, that's when we first make our judgment of why are you, why are you accepting this phone call from jail? Why don't you just hang up? And then if the abuser is able to convince the victim to start talking to the police to maybe try and change their statement, then we also have a lack of cooperation. And Melissa, you can go on and talk about how we judge on that. By the way, our guests are, that was Wendy Murphy. She's the assistant, uh, chief assistant Rice County attorney. Melissa Evans is the victim witness coordinator. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, we usually figure that out pretty quickly um, before the bail hearings. I reach out to victims before our bail and, and kind of get their input. Um, it is not uncommon to see initially, yes, I want a domestic abuse, no contact order. I And then they that's when they start saying, um, you know, I want him to get help. I got to figure out how I'm going to manage this. And then the phone calls start from the jail. And it quickly shifts into um, a different perspective, and then and that's fine. I mean, we're used to it, and, um, and it's understandable. I would assume. Yeah, one hundred percent. Melissa and I sometimes talk to each other how we could script a lot of that first week that goes on, and the reason why is because the data backs that up. But then again, when you start to talk to jury members or say your family or friend is a victim of domestic violence and they're not acting the way that you want them to act. Like, Mm -hmm. don't take those phone calls from the jail. Right. Don't go talk to the police. Don't do X, whatever it is. And that's why we thought this training would be good is if we can start getting people in the community who may be supporting people of domestic violence or have friends or are victims themselves if you still love that abuser, if you don't want to try and leave the relationship right away, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're not a victim. And it doesn't mean that the 
the phases that you're going through with this violence aren't predictable to the practitioners, to advocates, to victim liaisons, to prosecutors. On your website, you state, on average, it takes a victim seven times to leave before staying away for good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that would be seven phone calls to the police. Right. If you... Sorry, it, oh, it's definitely happened. And it's on the average. majority We're of the time. Average. Mm-hmm. It's happened several times before that phone call. If you look at one of the facts that we have on the flyer, Gordy, is during 2022, Hope Center provided services to 1,180 domestic violence victims. And the next statistic says that in 2023, in Rice County, 163 people were charged with criminal charges for committing acts of domestic violence. So you can tell the people that are experiencing violence, they're not always calling the police. So when we talk about it takes seven times, that's seven times that you're involved in the system. Um, so we just, it one of the hardest things I think for me to realize is that that is so high. There's so many victims of domestic violence that aren't calling for yeah. intervention. And, and statistics I looked up, it says it's estimated that 80% of domestic assaults go unreported. Right. Yes. Right. And the other statistic that we know is that the most dangerous time for a domestic abuse victim is when that victim is trying to leave the relationship. I mean, because if you think about it, if it's about power and control... That abuser does not want that person to be out of their power or control. Right. Yep. And there's a lot of emotions that the perpetrators are feeling that that sort of panic. Um, there's a lot of low self-esteem, self-confidence, and kind of that, um, what's the word that I'm looking at? I want to say chaos, but mm-hmm. that desperation mm-hmm. of trying to maintain that, that power and control. Yeah. On the Hope Center website, it says... One in seven women, one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. Yes. And that was one of the things that I was going to bring up when I, very anecdotally, I have no, please, listeners understand that I'm not trained in statistics. But my experience when I have prosecuted women that um, are victimizing other women or are victimizing a man that is really downplayed because the theory is a woman can't hurt or injure or be an abuser. And so when we talk about people that are other women reporting or men reporting, that is a hurdle to get over in itself. I've even had uh, an instance where um, a male was the victim and the judge, and this didn't take place in Rice County, this was in a different county, the judge said that there really wasn't any need to get any sort of protective order because he was a big guy and he could just defend himself. Um, So what he heard is you really shouldn't have been a victim. Um, You really, there was really no, there was really no reason for you to call the police. So that's why I think that it's, it can be, my feeling was that it felt that it was underreported. Yeah. It says here that one in, Ten women have been raped by their intimate partner. Yeah, that doesn't get as much of attention 
as it should. Um, that that control that comes along with that, and and when you're just trying to survive and feeling like you have to give in that in that moment to just keep the peace mm-hmm. and and the uh, humi- like shame and humiliation that comes along with that 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 doesn't get reported. So even in an intimate relationship, no means no. Is that Absolutely. what I'm hearing? Absolutely. No, no means no, but that assumes that the person in the intimate partner relationship has the uh, feels that they have the agency to even say no, even get to that point to say no. I would say that presupposes that, again, I could say no to my husband and it'd be like, let's go watch the football game. I mean, there would be nothing bad that would happen to right, me. Right, right, right. But there are people I'm sure that they don't even think about saying no. Because that would just, because the consequence for that would escalate it. So they might have a temper tantrum or something. Is that what I'm... Or they'll be choked or beaten if they don't acquiesce to the, if they just don't have the sexual contact, whatever it is, whether it's sexual intercourse or something else. Right, right, right. Accusations, you're cheating, let me go through your phone. That almost, that's always ends bad. Mm Mm-hmm. In 2022, at least 26 Minnesotans died in domestic violence. That is correct. That's more than a couple a month. Mm-hmm. That is correct in that. Um, that in, that statistic also included three people who were bystanders at a domestic violence homicide. So it is, um, I would bet that the people that were involved in those communities were also of the mind that they knew that that was probably coming. I mean, many of us, Melissa and I have had conversations before where we're like, man, I hope this person survives. Um, and it's yep. it's really tragic because, and I've learned most of this that I'm speaking about to Hope Center, shout out to Hope Center, best place ever. Um, but um, we just... We just have to be so careful about domestic violence. I mean, it can get to homicide very quickly. And statistically, we know the things that lead to lethality, that increase lethality, that increase um, the uh, occurrences of lethality. And again, it's just trying to get not even our court system and our justice system, but just our community to be able to be accessible to victims of domestic violence or family or friends of domestic violence. Melissa, we hear all the time from police officers that the call they dread most going on is a domestic violence call because you just don't know what you're going into. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it's one of the more dangerous um, calls that they can that they can go on. Um, I recently read a statistic that at least 35% of their phone calls are, are domestic yep, violence. Don't that's... ask me to quote the, <laughs> the citation right now. But, um, yeah, they don't know how it's going to go, where it's going to escalate. Um, and I think our law enforcement is really great and empathetic to the victims, but they this isn't their first time there. I think it, that gets really challenging um, for all of our our professions that are involved in this. So, Wendy, we need to start when people are young, right? It says here one in five high school girls has been physically or sexually abused 
by a dating partner, which that's a scary thing in my mind anyway. Right. So that's where we got to start, young people, right? Hopefully, yes. That I mean, if I had a magic wand, right, and I could work on everything that I wanted to work on, Melissa and I both feel that it is so much of what we see is because that is what a victim has been used to their whole life. Um, We were talking a little bit about what the chaos is that is involved in domestic violence, how there's just, you're kind of hypervigilant. You're always looking to see what is the sign that I know something Mm -hmm. is going to be happening or exploding. And if that's all you know, if that since a kid you have been making sure that you, you know, you're walking on eggshells all the time. You don't want to trigger somebody or the relationship that you've seen people that you've been exposed to engage in. And that's called an intimate partner relationship, a marriage, a family, whatever you want to call it. If that's what they see as their model, then they don't even know what a healthy relationship looks like, right? Go ahead, Melissa. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. That's no. your expectation of, of what love feels like, what marriage feels like, what parenting expectations mm-hmm. are, how to run a household. Those all become things that you you can't imagine what something like that. The idea of what is what we would call healthy doesn't even present itself. Now, I remember, I mean, growing up, uh, my, my folks would argue quite often, mm-hmm. but they never, ever called each other names and they never raised a hand or got abusive in any way. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. And that's a, that was a good role model growing up, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I There's going to be arguments when you live with somebody. It's just part of the nature of the beast. And right. one of the things that our law enforcement has been doing really well that Melissa and I and Erica have been talking to them about is often they'll respond to a scene and, and what they're told is, well, we were arguing. And ask that follow-up question, what were you arguing about? Again, were we arguing because one of us likes the Vikings and one of us doesn't? <laughs> or were you arguing really because Somebody wanted your cell phone to look through it because they thought that you were cheating or that you were going someplace that you didn't have permission to go to or you spent money that you weren't supposed to spend and you desperately want that phone to yourself. Is that really an argument like you and I would think a healthy relationship would have or is that more a demonstration of the power and control that's going on in that relationship? Um one of the other, do we still have a couple more minutes? Yeah, we do. I okay. was, yeah, you go ahead. One of the things that Melissa and I also really like to talk about too is um, if you know somebody in your life that is a victim of domestic violence or if you're somebody that works with people from domestic violence, you can understand this. But being exposed to trauma repeatedly, the trauma of being abused, um, the hypervigilance that can go on, the repeated strikes to your head, mm-hmm. that can impact your ability to communicate it can impact your ability to remember things so when we go back to why can't you be a better victim typically when we want to hear a story from somebody we say what happened we want to know a clear beginning a clear middle a clear end we want you to be able to give us the facts that we think are important where was someone standing what words did they use what were they wearing who else was there? We want that without us prompting it in chronological order, 
in a, in a relatively concise. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. In a way without huge dra- dramatics. And we want it to be consistent no matter mm-hmm. how many times they yeah. repeat it. So we're, again, putting an expectation on a victim that they physiologically cannot meet. That doesn't account for their inability to communicate. Their, the fact that they remember things in a completely non-linear, non-chronological way. Um, their traumatic injuries and the trauma that they've... Ex- I mean, we sometimes have people respond that it's been four days of abuse and it was finally when hands went around the throat and breathing was cut off, air was cut off, that they finally called the police. And now we're asking them to give us a one discrete concrete moment during that four-day period. Yeah, yeah. And all of the abuse that's happened in that four days is together in one jumble right. in their head. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That makes sense. So if I'm a neighbor and I speculate something's going on next door, should I call? Yeah. Or should I go over to the house? Well, I, I would not recommend going over there. You have no idea what you're walking into. I mean, it's very dangerous for our law enforcement who are trained mm-hmm. to be there and trained on um, some le- level of de-escalation. You going over is just making it dangerous for you. And I would say the victim, too. You know, Now, there's um, this, look what you did. You had people looking at us. Mm-hmm. You're causing attention. Um, but so call the police. Dangerous. Call the police and most importantly, don't judge the victim if they're not making a decision about what you witnessed the same way you would. Right. Just be supportive. Be what you can be for them. And, you know, if they don't want to talk about it, if they're crabby about it, if they're mad, that's also very predictable. I can't tell you the amount of times that poor Melissa has had people that are not happy that she's calling. Right. (laughs) Very Um, unhappy that I haven't immediately dismissed the charges. And, you know, I obviously don't have any control over that. But, you know. Well, again, that's Wednesday, noon to one. And we should all probably go and be educated, right? Yes. I would love that, especially since the public make up our juries. Yep. All right. That concludes today's edition of AM Minnesota. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.